So we are, uh, we're in the middle of this. This is our fourth week of Best Supporting Actors. And basically what we're looking at with this is we're looking at some of the people in the Bible that maybe not everybody knows about. Maybe people have like, haven't heard this guy's name or this lady's name. You know, they know Jesus. They know Moses. Maybe know Abraham. Maybe know Paul. But maybe they don't know some of these others. And God locked their stories up and saved it for us, laid it out in Scripture. So that there's something that we can learn. So there's something that we can, can see how we can grow together in Christ and how God wants to keep us moving forward in our relationship with him. This week we're looking at a guy named Onesimus. That's a, it's an interesting name. Uh, maybe you've met, anybody ever met an Onesimus? All right, I'm in the same boat with y'all. I've never met an Onesimus. So that's, uh, uh, but we're, today we're going to be looking at Onesimus. And Onesimus' life is really cool because you'd be hard-pressed to come to God at any lower of a position in life than when Onesimus did. And then God just shifts this guy's world all around. And, and church history tells us of some of the incredible things that God ended up doing through the life of Onesimus. And so his Onesimus's life is a wonderful example in life transformation. And that is what this is all about. It is about life transformation. <clears throat> now, as we as you and I are growing in Christ, there's supposed to be this move forward process that you and I are constantly moving forward in Christ. And with that, then a lot of times, then we're, we're, God meets us in one place and is constantly carrying us forward in this, in Christ-likeness. And there's going to be this constant little shift. And God's constantly dealing with us and moving us and making us more and more and more into his image. That's why I hear at Celebration Church that one of the constants is that you and I, we can fellowship together. And I don't care where you are on that growth curve. You can be growing fast, you can be growing slow and steady, but the thing is that we are centered around is the fact that you and I are committed to moving forward in Christ, that we're not perfect, but we are being made into the image of the only one who is. And as long as that commitment is there, man, we just God just keeps changing us and shifting us, and we don't want to stall out. We don't want to stall out in life transformation because, man, I'm telling you, it can get ugly in a hurry things can get messed up in a hurry if we stall out in life transformation now i know that this is spring break a lot of people decided to go snow skiing i was did not get to be one of those people too i didn't did not get to ski this spring break and uh but there was uh years ago whenever i was in uh when i was in high school then a buddy of mine we decided we were going to go skiing during spring break and he had never skied before and so we head up, and he did not want to go to the normal hot spot for Odessa Midland people to go skiing, which is Ridoso. And so, because he didn't want to look foolish, because he'd never skied before. He's learning it at 15 years old. So we decided we were going to go to nearby Cloudcroft, because there wasn't as many people there, and we were going to go skiing there. Well, the problem was, it wasn't a real good snow that year, and so they only had Cloudcroft partially open. And also, he did not want to take a lesson. And I really encouraged him, told him, man, I'd go through the lesson with you. He did not want to take a lesson. He was just being entirely too proud. And so he told me to teach him. 
I've shared with y'all before that I have like no athletic prowess at all. And so it's just amazing that I can stay on both of my skis and make it down. Well, this particular day, they had the bunny slope open, and they had like the, just the intermediate slopes coming from the top. I don't even know if there was an easy way down from the top. All I know is they only had the, the intermediate ones. And so I'd show him how to do the little, uh, you know, I got to go to the bathroom real bad stance or the, the little snow plow thing so he could stop and do some ma little minor turns and be able to maneuver just a little bit. And then we, we went up to the top. As we're coming down, we're coming down, it takes forever. He falls, loses his stuff, and we gather it back up. It is a painful, long process. Well, finally, he decides that he's just going to go for it. Now, one of our mutual buddies was a very good skier, and he would actually ski in Texas Cup and compete and ended up being a ski instructor when we were in high school. And I tried to talk a good game. I wasn't, at that point, I had not admitted that I was athletically challenged. And uh, so I tried to talk a good game. And there was a, a, like this little aerial move that uh, we'd talk about doing. It was pretty simple. And you just hit this jump, and you just call the spread eagle. And, you know, you got your poles up and your ski tips pointed out. And then you come back, and you land it. And they're a pretty simple thing. And I, I could do a, like a, a dead eagle, more or less. And uh, not a real spread eagle, but I tried. And so we are coming down the slopes and there was one run that had these moguls and they're just these big bumps well i've been telling him to ski across the mountain he was not doing that and he just for some reason points his skis down the slope and is not turning at all and he hits the first mogul hits the first bump and he whoo bounces up a little bit goes down hits the next one catches about a foot of air he hits the third one and man, I'm telling you, he is zooming. He is way up in the air. And for some reason, I don't know if he did it on purpose. I don't know if he decided to use the moment. But he goes into like this spread eagle. I don't know if he was like scared. And he goes into this spread eagle and he's up in the air. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a awesome. This is God's first day. And he's coming down and he never, he never comes out. He never came out of the spread eagle. And the bottoms of his skis, the tips of the backs of his skis catch, and it just, bah, whips him to the ground. I'm telling you, I've never seen anybody slide so far in all my life. Now, he, can't, he lost both his skis, both his poles, and somehow lost both of his boots. And they're sitting there, his little green goggles came off of his head, and he slid down there. It took me forever to gather all his stuff up. He's not, when he stops, he's just in his socks and his ski stuff, and he's just laying there. And, uh, but the problem was is that he was, he was doing something cool. He was doing something that maybe even should have been done, and then just stopped there. Just froze, just got stuck in process. Now, you and I, when we're growing in Christ, there are going to be a lot of things that God's going to, he's going to move us in and have us do. And we can't decide, oh, I like this. This is cool. I'm just going to stay right here, God. I've come this far, and I'm cool with it, and I'm done. We do that in our relationship with God, and I tell you, we're going to crash, and it's going to get ugly, and somebody's going to have to come along and help gather up the pieces so we can make another run at this thing again. You and I have to be committed to staying with the process we have to make sure that we're committed to life transformation. And when we look at Onesimus, he stayed with the process. And the, one of the first things we see with him is the fact that he went from useless 
to useful. Now, useless is a tough, tough word. A tough word. Man, we, let's look here in Philemon 1, verses 11 through 14. It says, formerly, this is Paul writing to Philemon. It says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. And I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. This guy was considered useless. He was considered unuseful completely. Now, we've got to understand the backstory with this guy so we can understand where God took him from. Now, Onesimus, whenever Paul meets him, Paul is in prison, and somehow Onesimus gets hooked up with Paul, and Onesimus is a runaway thieving slave. He used to belong to this guy Philemon that Paul's writing this letter to. He was Philemon's slave. And he steals something, whether it was money or a possession, he steals something from Philemon and he runs away. Now, most scholars say that these, Paul and Philemon, I mean, Paul and Onesimus hook up in Rome. Well, Philemon is from Colossae, that's in Turkey. And he ends up, they end up connecting in Rome, Italy. That's 1,200 miles apart. This Onesimus guy went through an incredible journey getting away from whatever he hated about his life. And he ends up somehow at rock bottom and gets connected with Paul. Now, Paul, you, end up, you have to understand, this ends up with this kind of crazy relationship triangle here that at that time could only be created by Christ because only in Christ is there no slave or master Jew or Greek anybody only in Christ at that point in time did everybody see each other as equal because what we have here is a Jewish a guy had been a Jewish rabbi who has relationship with a guy who is a Gentile businessman who they're in, in connected is this runaway slave. And here in this story, all of these are on, be, come to this place of being on level playing ground. The guy who was the Gentile businessman is not any better than the guy who had been the rabbi, than this guy who was this runaway slave. And here they are being connected and referred to all as brothers in Christ. When Onesimus comes to Paul, He's at the bottom of the rung here. And amazingly, 1,200 miles away, Paul, he runs into Paul in Rome. Paul leads him to Christ and begins to mentor him. And amazingly enough, Paul had also led his old master back in Turkey to Christ as well. And Paul, he, of all places, he runs 1,200 miles. And what does he do? He finds somebody that knows the guy he's running away from. I love it that when we're in this story, we see that we just flat, we can't get away from God. We can't run away from God. And Onesimus, as a slave, was useless. And, and through him being mentored and his heart being changed, he shifts into this place of being useful to the gospel. History tells us that this guy ends up being the spiritual leader 
they refer to as a bishop, which is kind of a scary churchy hierarchy word, but it's not some just place of power. It was the fact that he understood doctrine, he he understood Jesus' teaching, and loved people so much that he was put in charge of all the believers in the city of Ephesus, in this entire city. He goes from being a runaway slave away from God And he ends up allowing God to transform him to the place that he ends up being the guy who is the spiritual leader of an entire city. I tell you what, if God can transform that guy's life and use him, God can use anybody. If there's nothing else that you don't walk out of here with from the story of Onesimus, understand that. That if God can use him, God can absolutely use anybody. See, whenever we look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, we already see that he he had been used for something useful for Paul. Paul is writing there to the church in in Colossians, which is where Philemon lived, and says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your heart. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened here. He is already proven to be faithful and dear to Paul. He went from being useless, which is a, man, that's a tough word. Whenever I was coming to ASU and uh, I had those filling out some scholarship stuff and I filled out my car scholarship uh, and I had to get some reference letters. So I went to the guy that I'd worked for from when I was in the eighth grade till I was graduating high school. I even worked for him a little bit after high school. And, you know, and he, he, was a, he was a tough boss and I learned a lot from him and I asked him if he would write a letter of recommendation. So he writes this letter of recommendation and seals it off and sends it off and then he gives me and sends me a copy of the letter that he sent. And so I'm like, cool, I get to see, you know, how he just goes on and on about how awesome I am. And, and this is great. I'm going to, like, cherish this forever. And so I get this letter, and I'm reading this letter, and it opens up. And he tells these people, um, well, the, the first time I met with uh, Brandon, I didn't really think much of him. He doesn't have, present a very good first impression. What kind of, what kind of letter is this? Why couldn't I have read this before he sent this darn thing off? And then as you go through the letter, then you realize, but once you get to know him, then you realize he's a, you know, he's a top-notch guy, and, and he, he's really changed through the years. And, he's, and I was like, man, I thought I was awesome always. You know, what, what's, the, what's the deal here? I, you know, I, was, I was irritated. That, that, but in this letter, he was just honest. And it really taught me a lot about when people, what's recommendations just, you just really ought to be on it. taught me how to write a letter of recommendation. So if you ask me, I'm going to be honest. And, uh, but it's a good thing because I, I love you. So anyways, uh, but it was, that was a tough thing to understand that there was this transformation process of going from somebody who really wasn't worth much as an employee to somebody who was, who was faithful and, and good and I actually had seen him in the last five years and he'd still brag on me on some different things that I did and but it was still painful to deal with that fact that man I wasn't I wasn't I didn't come out of the starting gate all awesome and 
And Onesimus is going to be carrying this letter to Philemon, understanding that all of these people had seen that he had not been top-notch, but God had transformed him. He was able to say that he understood where he was and was able to move in a forward direction. We also see that Onesimus went from being a slave to being a son. Philemon 1.16 says they were no longer a slave, but better than a slave. A dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Now, see, a lot of people got upset when they would read the Bible, read this letter from Paul to a guy, slave owner, and this, this guy who had been a slave is going back. He's made, he, would, he was... He was owned property, and he is going back to make, it, to make it right. And, I mean, that had to be a scary situation. But he's going back not to just some tyrant. He's going back to a guy who is a disciple. And a lot of people got mad and said, why did Paul not take the opportunity to rail against the horrors of slavery? And see, and the thing is, is what Paul did is he did what Jesus did. He took it down to a hard issue. Paul does come against it. He says, look, whenever you see that, see the value of a person, that they're your brother, you see that? The idea of owning somebody goes completely out the window. That he is better than a slave. He is a brother, dear to me and even dear to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Now see, we, when we came to Christ, we had been slaves. And John chapter 8 points it out. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. See, we had been slaves to sin. We had been trapped in this thing. But when we are in Christ, we're really free. But the problem is you have to understand that you're really free. We've had a bunch of little, those little beta fish. In fact, we have three of them right now in three little containers. And, and one of our little beta fish, and I've shared this story with you all before, that we got it from Walmart, and it was in this little cube. And it barely fit him. He, he fit from one corner to the other corner. I mean, it just seems like just horrible little little fish animal cruelty happening there. And so, and he had lived who knows how long in this little cube with his little nose stuck in the corner of this cube. And we buy the fish and we get him this little aquarium and we get him this one that looks like a, it's round, but it's flat on two sides. So somehow it's round with corners. And so that's just one of those things that makes no sense, but it did. It was, it was like a cylinder you know, and uh, had the little hole on top. But we were like, okay, we're, he's about to have all this space it's all awesome. We're going to let our, our little fish free. And he's just going to swim. And it's going to be this magic moment. And it's going to be so cool. And we got the water. And we had the gravel and everything. And we release that little fish in there. And you know what that little fish did? He swam over to the corner. And he stuck his little nose in the corner. He'd been so conditioned that he was trapped and had no place to go. That guess what? Even when he was free, he went right back to sticking his little nose in the corner. 
See, you and I, when we are set free in Christ, we really are free. And this transformation process is a process of us pulling all this junk out of our heads of thinking, I have to be this alcoholic. My granddad was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I came to Christ as an alcoholic. I'm always going to be an alcoholic. I'm this, and I'm just stuck in this corner, and I just barely make it through the day. No, we are free in Christ. I've always struggled with this and all that. And I thank you, God, that I'm going to go to heaven. But I just while I'm on earth, I'm just going to struggle with this. And it's just sticking your nose in the corner. When we are free in Christ, we really are free. And the transformation process that God is doing is that we're, all, we're as free as you're ever going to get right now. We're free, 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 free in Christ. The problem is, is we get stuck imprisoned up here like our sad little fish living in a corner that we don't have to live in. And God is moving us and transforming us from the inside out. Let's go ahead and jump on down. We've got some other scriptures y'all can reference. But the last thing was, is Onesimus went from being choked by debt to being free. Now, I'm not talking that he'd run up his MasterCard. You know, that he had his little uh, Bank of Rome, you know, platinum card. And he was like in in debt to his eyeballs. And I'm talking about there was this there was these debts that he owed. First off, he was owned and he ran away. He stole himself. He ran off with himself, somebody else's property, and in the process he stole something that wasn't his and took it. And God takes him in this restorative process in him being completely set free. We know that Philemon does not receive him back as a slave. Philemon did not send him working in the fields again. That he went through, but there was this process of him making things right, of dealing with things in a productive and healthy way. Now, on the on what was physically owed, on the money that was owed, Paul said, "I'm taking care of that myself." He stepped in and said, "Charge that to my account, and I will pay you whatever he owes." Paul himself took care of that. So there we see Onesimus's debt, his physical money debt eradicated. But then he still had a relational debt. The fact that he had been in relationship with the guy there now, both believers, and he had run off. And Onesimus, that's part of Onesimus's process of going back and making that relationship right. And I'm telling you, at some point, you know, Onesimus had to grow in Christ for a while before God began to require that of him. And a lot of times there may be some stuff in your past that God just leaves alone. And then one day, God says, you remember this? you remember this relationship? you remember this that went down? It's time to deal with that. It's time to make this right. You're at a mature place. They're at a place where we're going to make this and we're going to bring some wholeness to you in that area. And at that point, the grace is there to walk it out. And Onesimus is there in that place. See, Philemon 1 18 says, if he has done any wrong, <clears throat> done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I'll pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. And uh, as then he goes back, Paul takes care of the money debt and Onesimus takes care of the relational issue. Now, in our household, I, we like to hunt and I enjoy deer hunting and when Keenan was young, he was eight. Then we had the opportunity to go on somebody's land and hunt. And this was Keenan was going to get to get his his first buck, which is going to be something he's going to remember forever. Actually, he's going to get his first deer. 
And he was going to, it ended up being a buck, but it should not have been. We were invited to hunt on these people's land, and the, that guy's son had been trying to get his first buck. And we were told, look, you know, that he was, there was this big buck running through there. Don't shoot any bucks. You know, we're going to wait until my son, and then you're welcome to shoot whatever. Well, we're, I'm in the blind with my son, Keenan, and Keenan has heard the instruction, and we're waiting for a doe to come in. And we're waiting and waiting. The sun's going down. And sure enough, not 30 yards, 30 feet in front of us comes this little bitty, sad little rack buck. It was not the buck that they were looking for. I knew it was not the buck they were looking for. But we were still told not to shoot any buck. So we're sitting there, and then it comes in, and then it just stops. And it just hangs out. And it's just sitting there. And Keenan at that point was hunting with a lever action open sight rifle. He was used to shooting that like his BB gun. And it was just 30 feet away. And he's just right there. And I long enough for me to go through the rationalization process. And I said, Keenan, take it. And he said, but daddy, we're not supposed to shoot bucks. I said, son, it's okay. And there's another one. Oh, yeah, you're right, son. What was I thinking? No, I told him, no. I said, it's all right. Do it. Shoot it. And uh, so he sits there. He gets his first buck. He is so excited. I'm telling you, is when the trigger's pulled, I'm just like, I have just totally, totally blown this. And uh, so we're out there. And, of course, it's not the buck they were looking for. But my buddy comes up, and him and his son, they come up, and he knew what he had asked of me. And I was in ministry. I was a preacher. <laughs> and uh, he's looking at that little bitty rack. And he doesn't say anything to me. And I'm like, man, I, I'm sorry. He was just right there. And he's like, oh, it's good. It's good. But I knew it wasn't good. I knew I wasn't good. I knew my relationship with my son was not good. And man, I'm just telling, I just like, I can't believe I just did this. And so we, you know, haul the deer away and we end up having this little rack mounted. And, and I'm like, you know, God, I just can't, I can't do this. And one of the things that he had said was just, you know, I'll, we'll do this, just bring me some deer corn. And he told me of the amount of deer corn to bring. And so I went back and we, I was like, I've got to make this right. So I called him and said, you're going to be there? And he said, yeah. And so me and Keenan go to the store and we buy more deer corn. We buy five times the amount of deer corn and load it up. And we haul out there and I had him standing right beside me. And I just repented and asked that man to forgive me that I just totally violated his word and his trust. And my son saw me as a grown man make a mistake and he was going to watch me as a grown man fix it because... We do. We we fail. We we make mistakes, and and the only way our children will learn is that as as we model what it is. But what was hanging in the balance was not some bags of corn or a deer. What was hanging in the balance was a relationship I had with my friend, and a relationship I had with my son. And those things are so vital. Relationships are so vital, and in our restorative process that God is doing in our lives, at some point. God's going to be tapping you on the shoulder and there's going to be some relationships that God's going to be ready. It may not be that they get put back like they were way back when, but just that that weight 
of why did it have to end like that get lifted and God create a way to begin to put things back together Onesimus lived that out he goes on after that and God uses him in an incredible way takes a thieving runaway slave who humbles himself and embraces the gospel and goes through the restorative process and God ends up using him in such an awesome incredible way Romans 13 8 says let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law as we look at the life of Onesimus he shows us that God really will accept us and loves us enough to meet us right where we are but also loves us enough to not leave us there to take us forward God has such wonderful big plans for our lives and if we'll just say yes to him day by day we can't imagine what the compounding of of year upon year of decade upon decade of just saying yes every day what God can do with a life that will do that but the way that has to begin is with the very first yes Onesimus 1200 miles from home had to begin with the first yes which was I need a savior I need this sin mess, this process dealt with. I can't do it on my own. And he embraced the truth that this man in prison shared with him. That Jesus Christ dealt with all of that. That we are free in Christ. So right now I just appreciate if everybody would just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to create a quiet moment here. And if anybody is here today needing to connect with God receive that receive that life that is so free and available then just say hey Brandon I I want that I accept that today and just raise your hand day 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 and just raise